This episode of the Multi-Hypho podcast has been recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri and Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. Hey Candy. Hey. I feel hopeful. I feel like change is on the wind. Hmm. Maybe the pandemic has cracked something open. Maybe... Maybe people who've been marginalised are claiming their rightful place centre stage. It's a good feeling. It's a wonderful feeling. It's a magical feeling. I'm now in a space where I'm done waiting uh, to be handed it uh, by the colonisers. I'm just going to say it. Like, I'm done waiting for you. Uh, I don't need to be uh, given my break or discovered or whatever it is anymore. Um, I am creating work on my own terms. I'm creating things that will employ beautiful queer brown faces um, and employ uh, all the people I see being left out uh, and my, my latest project, uh, which is called Reckoning Te Waiata Paihere Wairua, which means the sounds of woven souls, um, I have sought out uh, people of colour, women and queer people in particular to work with if I need anything. And I'm even putting it out there on my Facebook posts. If I need a, need a lighting designer, I'm saying preference for uh, right. BIPOC, uh, yeah. female or queer. Yes, yes. Be- because um, the time has come to actually just make sure that we're building our own castle rather than waiting around to be led into someone else's. I want to talk to people from multiple identities, multiracial, multisexual, multi-creative folks, people who don't fit neatly into boxes or have to tick multiple boxes or have to make new boxes of their own. Multi-hyphenates, multi-hyphos. Multi-hyphenates, multi-hyphos. Samuel Gaskin is a dancer, actor, producer, singer, songwriter, speaker, and father of two. Of mixed-race African, New Zealand, and European blood, he's always stood out in the Australian industry. As a commercial dancer, Sam worked the music video and award ceremony circuit from the age of 19. A star of the Aussie stage and screen, his credits include Neighbours, The Jungle Book, and Christine Arnoux's Chrissy's Island Family. Sam is a passionate advocate for diversity in theatre and an ambassador for Beyond Blue. He has the powerful objective of uplifting the next generation of artists from the intersection through teaching, policy change and mentorship. His latest epic performance work, The Reckoning, is a brilliant embodiment of his vision in action.
change does not happen by tokenistically having a brown person there at the table. Um, just one. Because, just one. Yeah, uh, change that's actually, happens. That's actually that's actually dangerous and violent, and and you will absolutely that, that one is it's not fair. And any no. any company doing that needs to understand <clears throat> that that's negligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 30, at least 30%. At least, at the very least, 30% yeah, change. I'm, yeah. That's also something I'm, I, I don't think I'm doing anymore either is um, being happy to put my hand up to be the only one in the room. No. Um, because... Uh, yet again, all the work gets put on you. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and often you're doing all this extra work for free, you know, uh, to help try and um, answer people's questions and, and educate and, yes. and do the thing that you should be doing because you're, you know, you're that yeah. one. Well, um, I, yeah, I remember I was talking to Matt Lutton when I was really upset with the Malt House for... Uh, the way they had written about the new female director, you know, mm. it's it really felt like, oh, at last we're asking for someone, uh, you know, from a culturally diverse background and it was really, really mm. small-minded. So you actually see people of colour as different to white folks. Interrogate your whiteness. Interrogate mm. it. Interrogate your embedded institutionalized racism. Interrogate mm. it. Because it is not safe for people of color to work here until you do. Until the mm. board shifts, until the leadership shifts, until every single team of decision makers has minimum 50%. Because it's not like we we are all so diverse within within the African diaspora, mm. you know, indigenous yes. folks, diverse within those communities. It's not like a white and black or a white and everybody else thing, you no. know. It's and it's been a hundred years of that. And I was thinking like, gosh, now we're in this global space because of the pandemic. It's so obvious that Australia is the. the so problematic, you know, in the arts and in the oh, screen goodness. space. Well, yeah, uh, to be honest, like, um, I feel like uh, I, I, I look at this constantly, right? Because it's the world that we live and work in. And yeah, I, I feel like um, uh, I'm hopeful when I look at the film and television space. I feel like I'm slowly, slowly seeing uh, changes happening More. there. And I, in fact, just booked my first role that said um, open to any ethnicity. And I often, yeah, look wow. at that. I often look at that and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, like they're putting that there to be nice. <laughs> um, so when they asked for another tape, I was like, oh, hold on a second. Um, because the role, uh, yeah, because the role in particular also, I, I, I can't imagine someone who looks like me playing it because I've never seen mm. that, you know? Yeah. And if you yeah. haven't seen it, how can you imagine it? Um, yeah. So then for it to actually happen, when they asked for another tape, I was like, ooh. And then when it actually happened, I was like, oh, my God. P.S. This is the first time that has happened um, in my career where I hadn't had to be black first. So I was in two writers' rooms this year, Australian shows, new shows, and I got to ask questions like, why are they white? Could they be black? Mm, yeah. Could they be indigenous? Um, mm. Why is she skinny? Could she be fat? 
Um, yeah. Do they have to be able-bodied? Yeah. The power. The power Absolutely. of the writer. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So I'm we- going back, back, back. So before you even get sent the casting note, I'm going, mm. why do we want to see that again? Could we see something mm-hmm. else? Yeah. And that's exciting, you know, that's really exciting. And that's why um, we need to foster uh, the community of young writers coming up and get them them into these rooms um, because that's actually where the change happens. Well, Um, this is like a friend recently said, you know, there's some the possibility of a new African character or African diaspora character on Neighbours, but who the hell's in the writers' room? Who's going to write mm. that character? Because mm. it, Im- it is embarrassment when you read it and you're like, no. Oh, my favourite is when there's no lesbians in a writer's room and they want to put in lesbian storylines. And oh, I'm like... Yeah. Oh, yeah, because that's hot at the moment. Oh, we need oh, lesbians. Isn't that hot? <laughs> and it's like... But, but I was like, uh, ain't, ain't no lesbian I know. Like mm-hmm. cheating on her girlfriend with the guy or cheating on mm. a guy in order to make him jealous. I was like, the problem is when everything is centred on white men, particularly, mm-hmm. cis, cis, straight white men, their fantasy world, the, the film film landscape has been their fantasy world and mm-hmm. theatre to a certain extent. So they're just making up what they... And for some of it I go, well, not even a culturally and emotionally intelligent white man. They do exist. Mm. They do. They're out there. Mm. But, I mean, the the base level, lowest common denominator shit where I go, this is not helping anyone. But then I'll watch Glow or I'll watch um, Vida or I'll watch Sense8 and I'll start thinking, Mm. ooh, but the world. That's why I was in L.A. The world Mm. is writing us. And we are yeah. writing ourselves and we're in the writer's rooms and we're in the director's chairs, mm-hmm. you know. And the other mm. thing I think is in Australia, we're not just dealing with external racism, we're dealing with internal racism and internalised racism of black and brown folks who've had to deal with such white supremacy and centrism that they are still working out how to find themselves and their voice and fight for themselves. Mm, and that's painful. So. That's yeah. painful.
I can't believe how much I'm still expected to dig into my trauma to explain some things to some people. Uh, And the worst bit about that for me is I often feel the pressure of if I don't, then the learning's not going to happen. If I don't share my story with said person or organisation or people in that moment, then there won't be a learning that happens. Um, I had an experience where one of the organisations I work with, uh, let's just say uh, I had to do a number of things for them uh, over the last couple of months in amongst COVID and Black Black Lives Matter and, you know, Trigger Central. Um, And so I was pushed to the front quite a number of the times. Look, we've got a brown gay one. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I get it, you know, I'm not silly. Like, I know why you want me to front this at the moment. Um, And... I I can see that that will be powerful and I want to be that person so that, you know, another young queer brown person can see me and be like, oh, okay, cool, he's there. But I just had a number of situations where they pushed me to the front and then I started being me and then they were like, oh, no, 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 can we just edit? Can we not say that? Can we can not we have, do this? Can we help oh. you but not all can you, you? Yeah, can, can you, you be a little less black, essentially, <laughs> is what I was told. Um, wow. Don't mention Black Lives Matter. Don't oh. mention la la la. Wow. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Because because wow. we want this we want this to be used at any time. Oh uh, yeah. You know. It's very. It's very. It's very divisive to talk about racism. Mm. It's like, isn't it? Isn't it? Political. I was told it was political. Oh, we don't want to be. We is... don't want to be too political. Mm. So this is fun because when it comes to hurting and abusing and cannibalizing and brutalizing black folks, that's political. Mm. That's a political thing. But say it was to white women, the Me Too movement. That's sexual um, harassment and assault. Mm. But the minute colour is... And this is why I talk about this space, because it's multiple, multiple identities at once. You can see straight away the inequities on the floor. And then and then it's that thing of, yeah, there's just... That's why I wanted to make this, because I was like, it's so shit. <laughs> like, mm. be in something and then realise... Like, I had this really crazy moment in LA, it just reminded me of it where I was talking to all these jazz guys. I was getting up to sing My Baby Just Cares For Me at the Sofitel with, mm-hmm. like, you know, Grammy Award winning. Nah, nah, nah. And then I was mm-hmm. out the back and everybody was smoking weed because it's mm-hmm. legal in L.A. And I was just chatting and someone brought up Nina Simone. And somehow I had been with some queer women, but I was somehow with a couple of just fellas, cis black men. And I said, oof, I, you know, I said... I wonder if, I said something funny, like we were drunk and stuff, like imagine, I said, I wonder if I'd been in her life, whether whether things would have been different and just joking around, like if I had been her lover mm. and they looked at me with such horror mm. and I thought, and I just went, shit, they're yeah. fucking homophobic. I didn't, 
I didn't catch mm. myself. I didn't realise where I was. Yeah, you forgot what shield you needed to be carrying in that moment in, in time. like to be the only one. I used to think it was a bad thing. I'm now learning it's powerful. I mean, how many African, Maori, Welsh, English, gay fathers of two do you know? For so many years I tried to be something that just might help me fit in. It's only now in my mid-thirties that I'm beginning to embrace and discover the stories and language of my ancestors. My bloodlines are strong. And so am I. If only I knew back then what I know now. When I was a little kid growing up, I literally thought Jay LaGaia was the only brown person on television. Yeah. For real. It was Jay LaGaia, Uncle Ernie Dingo. Yeah, yeah. Trisha Goddard, who's English. Kamal. Oh, Kamal, I forgot about Kamal. Sorry, Kamal. Kamal, if you're out there, I really want you to voice over my next show. I need you in my next show. We need those he, low notes. Oh, but he was was literally telling us most every Saturday that he was being discriminated against. Why are people mm. so unkind? And the mm. constant jokes were about him being in the toilet like a piece of shit, that his skin mm. was like poo coloured. That's the mm. Australia we grew up in. Can I just tell you a, a, a story, a not-so-funny story? Okay. Um, 
Uh, so the the all boys high school I went to, which was, uh, let's just say, you know, uh, an all boys Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can remember like one of the, you know how you sing the school, the songs for your team at, mm-hmm. at school mm-hmm. sports? One of them from my house colour referenced Kamal in, you know, a pretty well, a derogatory way weird way and that yeah. was like something that we sang at a sports carnival you know like nah. what the flame tell anyway. me though that this just makes me think how was coming out in that environment oh do you know what or that happened later it's so funny well i came out when i was about 19 i think but i was I was switched on to the fact that I was definitely gay when mm. I was maybe like 17 ish. Um, you know, like I used to do the whole like muck around with a friend thing and then we like <laughs> had girlfriends. And then I was like, oh, I definitely like mucking around with my friend more than my girlfriend. You know what yeah. I mean? So I remember having that realization, but knowing I could never come out at high school because that would just be like. Probably, the end, yeah, yeah the end and of like, your life, yeah, yeah, that would not but be did you, okay. Can I then ask though, because we grew up in the same way, and mm. people don't understand, because I have a bit of a thing for gingers, because I grew up, mm. I grew up with, you know, Eric Stoltz in some kind of wonderful, and yeah, Morris yeah. Becker, and like a lot of ginger in my life growing yeah, up. Didn't yeah, yeah. See a lot of, but what was your first heartthrobby guy like? Like, oh, uh, uh, oh gosh, I. Th- Do you know this is so embarrassing? But I, I PS, I'll also mention I'm also ginger curious. <laughs> I've been ginger curious for quite some time. I always say to Johnny, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I really like, you know, wanted to like try that flavour before you came along and ruined everything. Like I, I was making out with Anne of Green Gables in my dreams. Mm. Like, yeah, the gingers were just everywhere. The gingers and ginger love, but who was, do you remember one of your first? Okay. So. I remember very vividly my first, like, crush crush was Nick from Temptation Island. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Do you know what it's like? Like, what's, like, I'm not going to say shame about that because I actually, (laughs) like, met him and I know him now. So that's kind of, like, even weirder. But, like... That's always weird. It's always... Yeah, meet the, the person. Crush. Yeah, yeah, but, but that I would often... be me and Lisa Bonet. If that ever happened, if I ever met, was in a room, oh my I'd gosh. be like, "Oh yeah." You have to really, you have to put yourself in place, don't you? Because you have to mm. be like, this is inappropriate to feel this amount of lust. Mm. Do you know what though? This has actually brought something up to the forefront of my mind, right? Yeah. So I, I, I have always had a penchant for the white boys, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like it's like you know, dark hair, blue eyes. How we grow up has always Ooh. been my favorite flavor, right? Jason um, Priestley. 
Jason Priest. 90210. 90210. Oh my gosh, yes. And then what was the other one where they all lived in the apartments like together? Like Melrose Place. It's a bit later. Melrose Place. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But anyway, I digress. I always think about this, right? Because I'm like, why is my favourite flavour Caucasian? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Why why is my favourite flavour vanilla? Is it the world that I've grown up in? Would it be different if I hadn't grown up in this world? Um, you know, the, the white Australia world. I always wonder, you know. Um, Had you lived in America, would it be left yeah. in guys? Let's yeah. Guess. Would I be all would up be on that chocolate? Or like <laughs> dark skin, bring it, bring it. Because when I watch, I've got this thing where I'm like, my fluidity means I'm so attracted to gay men of colour, Sam. Mm. I mean, here I am coming out. Uh, uh, the Don't Rush, have, you know the Don't Rush, like during, I'm going to post some of that Don't Rush videos of like, you know, you see people from different parts of the world, you see nurses, it was all on TikTok in the first Oh, uh, no, I haven't seen it. The gay black one? <laughs> Everything they're wearing, the manicured beards, the fucking style. I was like, yes. Anyone else in the world? Is there anyone else? I'm like, this is like, I would go transfer this shit. Like, I am like, come oh to me, gosh. you know? Oh, it's, if, it's only we'd kn- <laughs> if only we'd known each other in 2008, we definitely would have made out on the market dance floor for sure. I honestly think sometimes, how do some of the white, um, classmates, colleagues of mine that I went to NIDA with, say, or that I do shows with, how are they not uncomfortable to be surrounded by white people? Like a lot of these Mm. people have diverse um, families or partners. How do they not go to work and go, okay, this is weird. I haven't seen Mm -hmm. a person of colour today. Mm. Or there's just like one. How do they not go, oh, I think our industry might be whack. Mm. Because I feel, I feel like it's because it's the norm. It has been the norm for so long that they're almost like, uh, when I walk into this space, this is just what it's going to be like. Um, and I feel like people may be beginning to notice a little bit more now because of, uh, the the nature of 2020 and, yeah. and the zeitgeist that is Black Lives Matter, but I do I, I feel like a, a a lot of my you know beautiful talented white friends who are out there getting all the gigs, um, they love me you know and, and they love um, uh, all the other uh, BIPOC performers that they're around outside, but it's like when they're in those rooms, that's just their normal workroom. I don't, I'm, I'm not even sure that they're mm. thinking about that because they're mm. like, oh, but I, I love Sam and I love candy. Like, obviously, you know, so yeah. I, I really do hope, um, you know, for all my white allies out there who are out there in amongst those rooms who are working in those rooms. I hope that, um, uh, they begin to speak up and yeah. they begin to say things um, like, oh, how come this is the case for this? Don't you well, think? 
having getting been in the back rooms in the in the writers' rooms now, there are definitely blockers. Like there are definitely mm. producers, executive producers that block some of those writers. It is absolutely mm. about power. Mm. But inequity wise, I just mean how are our friends not political enough to say this is no longer a world I want to live in or an industry I want to work in? Like mm. it takes it takes a political muscle to actually go there's a difference between saying I believe in this and mm. I want to change this yeah. because I feel like there's a bit of hypocrisy in it you know what I mean like hello mm. I wish it was different but I'm not going to do anything about it you mm. know like but I'm still going to like eat the things from the place that is said a really shitty thing about Adam Goods because I like it you know what mm. I, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Actually, no, we're, we're at a great moment to actually put your foot down and say, who am I? What do I believe in? What do I want mm. the world to look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, how can I interrogate this more? This actually is a, an issue of sort of humanity. And so many yeah. artists, I think they're so full of humanity until it comes to maybe, um, it's so. funny. Losing your work, right? Losing the dollar. Mm. But Ellen Pompey, a white woman who's married to a black man, but a white woman with mixed race children, is the is the most well paid woman on TV. And I saw her in LA speak, and she said, "You have to absolutely be ready to walk away if you yeah. want that change. If you want that coin, you have to actually be ready to say goodbye. If I don't get it, if I don't get mm-hmm. this, bye." Yeah, and I don't. That's I I don't. Not, think people not are. many people. No, not many people. I don't think people are. In fact, it's funny you should mention that because you know, I'm sure you've seen the the Rob Guest endowment. Um, I'm calling it a mess, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Rob Guest endowment mess happened, um, and it's just been really. Can you give us a little bit of black background on it? Because I know a little bit. Uh, okay, so the Rob Guest Endowment is, uh, uh, I guess, a, a competition, you would call it, uh, for, for young musical theatre performers um, to uh, essentially win uh, $50,000 worth of support. Um, it's been happening for many years now. And um, this year they released the, you know, the photos of the 30 finalists who essentially were all white. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it, it caused a, a stir and an uproar, rightfully so. Mm. Um, and uh, the way they dealt with it was really kind of pitiful, you know? It yeah. was just, yeah, it, it was actually, um, <laughs> it made everything worse. Yeah. Um, and then a whole bunch of people have, you know, gone in and, and generously offered their time uh, to help consult and work out, okay, how can we turn Where's this into a, into a, yeah, how can we turn this into a positive? And, um, yeah, let's just say uh, it got even worse from there. And uh, they, they've been putting out, like, statements to the press Media releases that are clearly racist. I'm just going to say it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And the last one kind of gaslit and accused, uh, you know, 
uh, the beautiful people like the Equity Diversity Committee who were mm. in there giving up their time for free to help accuse them of being bullies, essentially. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, you know that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that's yes. kind of like a little... Uh, because, yes, equality feels like oppression to the privilege. Who would we be if we grew up watching Pose and Dear White People mm, and Black mm, Panther and mm. Glow and all these, like, indie things popping. Who would we be? Oh, look, I, did I tell you what? I would be someone who worked through their trauma a lot quicker. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> I would be someone who spent a lot less money on therapy. <laughs> Scream, folks! It is a, a like a national health duty for the state mm. of Screen to rep us and each other and see each other back. You Absolutely. Know? How many kids do you have? I have two kids. Oh. So yeah, so Maxwell, who's five, and Rayla, who's eight. And the same, the same mamas. Yeah. So or different mamas. Yeah. So we co-parent with a lesbian couple. Um, uh, and so, uh, yeah, uh, same, same mums, one mum carried both, uh, mm. a, a, and like the, the genetics of it, I guess, is, um, it was my sperm for our daughter and Johnny's for our son. Oh, you don't need to tell me those details, but no worries. <laughs> oh, but you like, know what? I feel like people, are, people go. often, yeah, I'm just going to yeah. tell you because I can okay. often see people cut, like looking and like, mm, no, no, mm. I don't mind it all. I was like, <laughs> yo, I was like, oh, that was perfect. <laughs> You know, I'm going to tell you. So what do we do, like a turkey baster thing? Uh, or we... <laughs> well, I could also tell you that story. But... <laughs> that's it, that's it. Like, literally, I just, like, look at my kids and they, like, they give me hope for what this world may be when they're out there in the world and they're doing their teenage years and their early 20s because they are very much like my, my son Maxwell is, like, he just wears what he's feeling, you know? Yes. If he feels like wearing a frock, he puts a frock on. Yes. And, and he loves it. Do you know what I yes. mean? And he doesn't yes. feel um, any sort of way about stigma. it. Stigma. There's no stigma. Yeah, there's none of that. All the things you worry about got you slipping away, away. At the moment, I'm obsessed with... Uh, Christine and the Queens, mm. they've just put yeah. um, uh, a little EP thing out, mm. uh, which is, uh, they're just like, I feel like um, the coolest thing that's happening at the moment. Um, yeah. And they put music out uh, in French and in English mm. and um, just do their own thing. And I saw them yeah. live uh, last year and I'm yes. obsessed. Yes. Um, Troy Sivan, mm. um, who, funny story, I actually met, was it last year? Um, mm. At the cafe across the <laughs> road from my place and I never do the whole say hello to the famous. Ooh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. he actually grew up with one of my baby mamas. Oh. Um, and, you know, they're still in contact and he actually, you know, like messages and that type of thing. So I was like, I've got an in. I'm just going to say hello. And I did. That, 
I actually and I was so her. happy I did. Yo, yes. yo, yo, yo. I've been listening to Chica. Do you know Chica? She's Nigerian, US. Oh my God. Young. No, but I want listen to know. Listen in, listen in. Rapper. Okay, I'm writing this Really down. young. Um, plus size lesbian rapper that's killing yeah. it. Multi Hypho is hosted and created by Candy Bowers, recorded and produced by Christian Biko, supported by Linda Hurd and Art Centre Melbourne, Creative Victoria, Darabin City Council, Bob Creative and Candy B. Big love to Senri Chandrani, Jingwa Chen and Karen Bravo. Multi Hypho, getting comfy on the intersection since 2020. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of love, and oh, hopefully and we too. will, we will, we will get out there in <laughs> whether it's pashing, whether it's doing good work, whether it's getting <laughs> cast in a really wealthy advertising commercials that we mm. need all that cash flowing back into our community, um, or on your projects. I'm really looking forward to the next, the future, the Afro future with you, Samuel. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. you, my darling, keep shining. <laughs> I'm not a hater, 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 I'm not